Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Minnesota Twins SB Nation podcast. I'm here with Andrew Gibo, and today we're going to talk about a much better week than last week, where everything was negative. I said the sky was falling, Andrew kept calling me down, and he was right. How's it going, Andrew? It's going well. It's always nice to hear that I'm right. <laughs> I'm not great at admitting it, so good job there. But yes, today we will be talking about how the Twins went 5-2 and two in the last week. They are still in third place, but Brent Rooker was called up. He was fun to watch. Um of Acidio's here, everyone's favorite, Williams Acidio. We'll do our worried, worried or whatever with Eddie Rosario, Trevor May, and Marwin Gonzalez. We will do our second edition of ranking the rotation just to see who right now we would put in the top three for the playoffs if they kind of began today, essentially. And we'll talk about last week's trade deadline, which the Twins did not add. But we'll talk about the additions that were made with uh, players getting healthy, like Josh Allenson, Byron Buxton, and Michael Pineda returning. So... We'll talk about all that right now. Andrew, the Twins went 5-2 and two after a 1-5 week. It was much more fun. What were the, you see any major differences? I think the big major difference was just bringing back a healthy Josh Donaldson and a Byron Buxton. That's what we talked about last week, was that just adding those two guys back in the lineup and having that presence from them would make the team better. And sure enough, that's what happened. You go 1-5 the week prior. You get them back in the lineup and you go five and two. I mean, the other you know factor is they were at home this week and they are a much better home team than they are a road team. So that plays into it. Uh, but yeah, to answer the question directly, it's just simply having Josh Donaldson and Byron Buxton back in that lineup makes this team significantly better. And we saw it on the field. For sure. And you mentioned the home road splits. The team twins are a top three uh, t- team record wise at home. I know yesterday was, the best. I'm not sure if they fell away after the loss today, but either way, they're right up there with the best and the best of the best at home. And you mentioned Byron Buxton. He returns, robs a homer, and he has a walk-off grounder to the shortstop. Who's that coming? He's the fastest man in the world. That was great fun. Josh Donaldson hits a bomb and his was it his first at bat coming back? I think it was right. Uh, no, I think he hit a double in his first at bat. It was at bat. No, he hit a single and then he right, hit the yeah, RBI yeah, yeah. double and then, and then he hits the home run. Right. He so he just had a monster game all around. Both him and Buxton instantly started showing off. Pineda return was great, but yeah. When Byron Buxton plays, I mean it's ob- he just makes the twins so much more electric. He's when they when he's on the field, the twins are seventy nine and thirty three versus a forty seven and forty five record when he's not on the field. Like the difference is there. It's kinda sad that the twins have played nearly a hundred games without him in a lot that's since the start of last season. That's how wow. often he's injured, but yeah. Uh, he's probably would you say he's the most important player to this team? I would say so, yes. I think just having him, what he does defensively, like you touch on robbing that home run, what he can do with his speed on the bases, or even hitting a walk-off infield single on a ball that's the most routine 6-3 ground out you're going to have, and Byron beats it out. I mean, you can, yes, you can't replace that. For sure, for sure. Like, yeah, he, I, I would certainly say he is the most irreplaceable player on the team next to maybe Kent Maeda or Jose Barrios, but yeah, it's honestly not close with 
ever the skills Buxton brings. If he can just hit like league average and then perform in the field and on the base pass like he already does, he's in the conversation for like st- starting an All Star game. Like that's just how great his other skills are. He's just been yeah for sure great. And Donaldson coming back too helps a ton. The Twins did go five and two, but they are still in third place behind uh, Cleveland and Chicago. When I checked yesterday, the Twins were the only team, or the AL Central was the only division with three teams having a 600 win percentage or better, and they had three teams in there. Like, no other team even had two, division even had two teams. That's how crazy the AL Central is this year, and it's really frustrating for Twins fans. It's like, we're playing really well, but we're in third place. Like, what else do we got to do? Like, obviously, it doesn't matter much. They'll make the playoffs. All three of these teams will, but I want that division banner, and it's just... It's tough, man. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, the the Central has been a lot more, a much more competitive division than I think a lot of people expected mm-hmm. going into it. I mean, we all knew the White Sox would be improved and the Indians had their elite pitching, but I don't think anyone saw the AL Central being as competitive as it is. It On this recent, you know, homestand here, well, they're still on. I mean, they have that wraparound series. Right. Another, another game tomorrow against uh, Detroit here. But they easily could have gone six and one, and, and that was what's so frustrating mm-hmm. about today. Is today's ball game was a winnable game, and you know uh, uh, when the lineup was released, a lot of the buzz you heard, you know, pregame was feeling, oh, why is Rocco putting out the B squad? He's not even trying to win the game. You got Adrianza and Cave and Massadio mm-hmm. in there, and then the lineup goes out and they put up runs, and then the bullpen just collapses. <laughs> It was a it was a horrible game all around. I mean, it was it was uh, it was just bad because yeah, they bring out the B squad, but first of all, the A squad essentially, whatever the good players, they'd scored nine run nine run nine runs in the first three games. Like it's not like they were performing. There's no reason not to give these other guys a chance. And look at that, they go out score eight runs. It's still not enough as the bullpen implodes. Who would have seen that? You know, usually you expect the field bar Whistlers, but they've been the best lately. It was May Duffy Romo and. Uh, well, Smelter as well, but you know, Smelter's not Smelter exactly was, at the top. He, but yeah, he was kind of brought in for mop up duty. Right, exactly. Point, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the core three, besides like Taylor Rogers, who would also be in that group, but yeah, the three of May, Duffy, Romo, no one could get out. So I think May and uh, Duffy each gave up two. It was just like, what's going on here? And this hadn't happened all season. We were due for a little bit of bullpen regression just because they started out as one of the best units in baseball, but. It was it was just it all came in one game and it was just frustrating. But you know we did see some highlights from the offense. They actually scored eight runs, which this Twins offense. I mean we talked about it a lot last week, but it's still not like any. It's it's a little better, but it's still not good. Like it's not where we want it to be. The pitching was just much improved. Exactly. And speaking of pitching and bullpen, how about that save by Matt Whistler? Right. Yeah. Speaking of the bullpen, Matt Whistler goes out. Just locks down the same. He, the, the opens games and closes, right? <laughs> exactly. He's the ultimate bullpen weapon, and the Twins got him for what, like a million, a million dollars at most. I don't know the contract just, for sure, but yeah, claimed him off waivers. Right, right, right. They just go get Matt Whistler and Caleb Fieldbar, and they turn these guys into just solid relievers. They, they've shown time and again they can just go get these guys. You know, Tyler Duffy was a he was going to be cut before this front office was like, all right, you're a reliever. Taylor Rogers was a starter. Trevor May was a starter. This whole bullpen's full of just starters and guys that other teams gave up on pretty much. And it's just, they're showing they can at least get bullpen arms out there. The rotation is still a bit of a work in progress. Like, it's not bad, but they're developing. But the bullpen, they can really get some great pieces out there. And if a guy doesn't work out in the rotation, they're like, all right, you're an elite reliever now. It's pretty good. 
Yes, and Matt Whistler has been been phenomenal. It's a fantastic pickup. Uh, everything he just seems every time he takes the ball, it's gold. He's been a lot of fun to watch. He's like a baby Sergio Romo there because he's. It's like I'm throwing you a slider. I'm throwing twelve sliders in a row, and you win none of them. It's like exactly like Romo. It's just he's learning from the best, and it's good to have a guy out there that can teach a guy like Whistler to be just like him, pretty much. Because I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I know you're. Are you a Sergio Romo fan, Giants guy? I am a huge Sergio Romo fan. Yeah. Actually, it's, it's kind of an older article, but if you, if you haven't read it yet, you should read my top five moments of Sergio Romo's right. career that I wrote shortly after the Twins had acquired him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So seeing the, him develop a little, a new, I mean, Matt Wizard's not exactly young. I think he's 27, 29 around there, but yeah, seeing him, although Sergio Romo's what, like 45 now? So no, I'm just oh, kidding. Okay. But <laughs> no, yeah, he's getting up there. But yeah, it's good to see Whistler developing and turning into hopefully a solid reliever for years to come for the Twins. Just it's good to see him doing that. It's, it certainly is. I mean, his yeah, I'm looking at his numbers right now, and it's an ERA of zero point nine six. Really? Wow, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> K through hmm. nine of eleven and a half. Really, Matt? Yeah. Would... Oh, jeez. I mean, I knew he was doing good. I... All right. Uh, wow. I guess one thing that is a little concerning right now is his deposing Fib. Babip is way up. Oh, well, sure. No, 158. So Okay. Yeah, it's just because no one can hit the ball hard off him. He's just that good of a pitcher. No, I don't know. But it's, yeah, great to see Wizard doing that and hope he continues. Um, Moving on, though. Uh, the twin, Twins, of course, it wouldn't be a Twins podcast without talking about the injuries to some players. Uh, Max Kepler went to the 10-day IL. Luis Arise is a bit banged up. Probably not going to the IL, said Rocco. And then Alex Avila is now on the 10-day 10 10 IL. They purchased the contract of Brent Rooker, who I think we both advocated a lot for last week. And they finally did it. Williams Astadio, the fan favorite turtle man, has been called back up. And uh, yeah, Arise, no one was called up for Arise because he is not uh, on the IL. But yeah, we got Brent Rooker and Williams Astadio here. Brent Rooker's been great, and I know you like him. What are your, what are your thoughts so far? I am very impressed with Brent Rooker. Uh, just from the first game, uh, it, the guy looks like he's been in the big leagues. He's comfortable. He looks right. like he feels as though he belongs. And I think that's huge. Oftentimes, when you bring up you know these rookies, there's that kind of that growing period before they kind of get comfortable and feel they belong in the big leagues. They might look overmatched. From the day that he arrived, it just he looks like he belongs in the big leagues. He puts together quality at bats. He gets big hits. He's already got a couple of you know big doubles and. It's been phenomenal to watch. The guy has Absolutely. a tremendous amount of potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as Twins fans, seeing rookies come up, we've had all these promising young players over the years. Uh, none of them really performed except for Miguel Sano in his rookie year, and then he just fell off completely. But, yeah, we haven't really had a rookie that's just right away, kind of even for like three games like rookie year, just jumped in and just been great. Like, I think his first hit ball was 112 miles per hour. Harder than, like, the Mariners had a hard hit ball all year. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he knocked was... over the Tigers shortstop. Right, right, yeah. And he's had just doubles. He hasn't hit a homer yet. He'll get there eventually. But, yeah, he's just been hitting doubles down the line. Bases loaded. Was it bases loaded today when he just... It was. It was. And, yeah. And Rosario oh, runs yeah. over Tony Diaz and gets hosed. That's a whole two-hour-long conversation right there. Ro- Rosie's been yeah. a Rosie. That's just uh, that's the way it is. And, you know, oh, so yeah. last week, we talked a lot about how if the Twins didn't make uh, a move to the trade deadline, which they didn't, and we'll touch right. on later in the show, the other option would be to dip into their elite farm system and start bringing up 
these guys, the Brent Rookers, the Kirilovs, the Royce Lewis. Well, we're seeing Brent Rooker, and he's a stud, and it's really nice to see him. And we also talked about, we kind of threw it out there, Williams Astadio. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, here he is, back at the big leagues, replacing the injured Avila. And I mean, he's fun to have. You love seeing the guy run the bases. He's just he's kind of a clown, right? He's a gimmick of sorts. And he is a terrible defensive catcher. Man, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he the play at home today where he had an easy tag out. He, the guy didn't touch home plate ever, but he just didn't grab the baseball. He was, tried to tag him before he caught it. And then he had two pass balls. Two pass balls. Were, they both cost a run. They weren't even like wild right. pitches. These were just fastballs. Like they didn't even bounced. hit the dirt, really. Right. They barely hit the dirt. It was just hard to watch. He's like, like an yeah. emergency catcher. For sure. And that's exactly what he's doing right now with literally two of both of the opening day catchers on the injured list. Garver likely done for the year. And But I tweeted out today. I was like, man, there's just like a rise uh, or not a rise of Acidio. He's just, um, what was it? It's like, I really want to root for you, man, but you suck. Like, you got to be good at baseball, dude. Come on, like it's but hard he did to root have, for he you. did have a big hit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That then he was able. To, he did come through, and he had a hit. Then he next at bat was like first pitch. He just swung at one like ten feet out of the zone. Uh, he came back. He had the big hit, but then his next three at bats were just like there's there's a guy we know. Like I want to root for him. I really do, but he doesn't make it easy. I don't know. He really doesn't. Yeah, no. like you said, you kind of have this like affection towards him because of just who he is. If for sure. Character, his character and everything. But yeah, right. in terms of, of what he actually brings to the table, talent-wise, it's very limited. Absolutely. Like, he's he has fun out there. He's great fun to watch. He likes playing baseball. He makes it – he has fun. He makes it fun to watch baseball. But when he's a negative – like, so far negative to your team to the point where it's just like, come on. Like, worse than anyone else out there. It's just unbelievable. Yes, his, the, greatest, yeah. his greatest contribution is the gifts and the beans. Absolutely. Yep. And it's not close. Like, his – Hitting, I mean, I try to defend him a bit, but it's it's hard. Like he had a six low high sixties WRC plus last year. OPS was like six mid mid six hundred. It was it was just bad all around. And his fielding, as we mentioned, is just atrocious. He's he's came up as a catcher, but he's better at third base, first base, right field, left field. Uh, I mean, he plays everywhere for some reason. He played center field once, believe it or not. Yes, wasn't that in uh, a winter league? Or was that actually no, I think, I think that was 2018. The Twins were just falling apart. They were like, all right, screw it. Get out there. Like, okay. they had, they've had an outfield of Astadio, Robbie, was it Robbie Grossman, and I'm trying to figure out who the third was. It was just in a horribly – before Robbie Grossman was good fielding Grossman like he is now somehow, just three awful fielders, and it was hilarious. And they also <laughs> had Bobby, Bobby Wilson behind the dish. Oh, jeez. What a year. <laughs> Yeah, good, thing, yeah. good thing we're not in 2018 anymore. We got the 2020 Twins. They're right. a good team. They're going to the playoffs. Yes, they are. Get Bobby Wilson, Bobby Wilson talk on the podcast. Didn't know we'd be going there. I love it. Well, and with the current catching situation, we might see a resurgence hey, of Bobby yeah. Wilson. <laughs> you never know. They could call him back up. But, yeah. Let's, let's hope they don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even know. Is he hanging around? I don't know. Who, who knows? But, anyway, um, Avila down. Uh, Garber down. Ryan Jeffers and Astio begin to be handling the load. You could tell the Twins did not have much faith in Astio because on a doubleheader, they started Ryan Jeffers for both games. Like, that never happens, especially with a catcher. So they, that kind of showed we do not trust this guy. And then they 
basically had to start him because he don't start, you know, that just be hurting Jeffers. But yeah, I mean, do you think if Avila isn't able to come back, the catching ta- a playoff catching tandem of Ryan Jeffers, Williams, Estadio is not ideal. It, it is not. And we kind of touched on this last week that just in terms of offensive production from the catching standpoint, whatever you get is whatever you get, I guess. Right. You know, sure. like, it's nice to have a guy like a 2019 Mitch Garver, but that's so rare. Right. And that just overall, the production from offensive production from the catching position is minimal. And it's just yeah, about yeah. it's a defensive position. And for that, like, I'm completely okay with Ryan Jeffers. He's a good defensive catcher. Oh, Williams absolutely. Osadio yeah. is not, but Williams Osadio can play the position and in an emergency <laughs> situation, and that's yeah. just kind of what he's there for until Avila gets healthy. And real quick, we're gonna we're gonna circle back to Bobby Wilson, and we're gonna we're gonna get a Bobby Wilson update. <laughs> he last played in 2019 with the Tigers. <laughs> he appeared in 15 games, had 47 plate appearances, and a negative 34 OPS plus, and a .091 batting average. At a 244 OPS. So that's, that's how Bobby Wilson's doing these days. I seen, I mean, hey, Wilson or Asadio, who are you taking? <laughs> I'm going to take Asadio at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I've never oh, seen man. a negative OPS plus. I've never seen that, it. That's a good point. Yeah. It, I think we talked, Kep, like last week, Kepler against lefties is the only other one I'd ever seen. But yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a catching situation. Not ideal, but we're making do. Even like uh, the. Good offensive guys such as Gary Sanchez. He struck out forty-eight times in hundred plate appearances this year. Like that's that's insane. It is. I mean, you so. get your best offensive catchers would be Reese Hoskins and Joey Bart in San Francisco. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real Muto, Real Muto. Uh, yeah, those two basically. So, moving on, we're just going to get a quick word from our sponsors. Then we'll be back with the worried or whatever segment of this podcast. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. We are back, and we're going to start this off, be worried or whatever, with... This is going to be a fun one. Eddie Rosario. Today, he just thought it was a ground rule double when it wasn't. Just simply stared at the ball for about five minutes as Scope ran to third base. He ran straight through a stop sign, which could have cost the Twins up to two more runs. And he was out by a mile. He almost killed the third base coach. But then he also he had a home run, and he had an RBI single. Like, does it equal out? I don't know. This guy's and, exhausting. And he, he would have posed the guy at the plate if Asadio could have caught the ball with his job. Right, is, that's a good is, point. As a catcher, your job is to catch the ball. That's true. He did. Yeah, he he could have. If that if that play would have happened, he would have got the out. I, we'd be talking a lot less. And hateful the Twins probably the Twins probably win the game too. Yeah, the Twins also win the game if Rosario. Just a lot with Rosario, man. What a, an exhausting day for him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to start off with this very tough question for you. Is Eddie Rosario on the team next year? He's got one year left of team control with Kirloff, Larnick, Rooker waiting in the wing. I think they'll shop him around, but I, okay. I don't think it's unlikely to see him out there to begin 2021. He could maybe also be a deadline move uh, for the Twins to trade him away there. 
but for the Royal or whatever part of Eddie Rosario, I got him as a whatever. I know it's kind of a, a common thing for people to hate on Eddie Rosario and Nick it's Nelson. It's a trend. It is. Nick Nelson of Twins Daily is like, you know, leading that club of people who hate on Eddie Rosario. <laughs> and I understand where it's coming from. He certainly can be a frustrating player at times, you know, like we saw today with that round roll double, which at the same time, I don't necessarily blame Eddie for that. That was a He's weird been play. playing. He's started in left field at Target Field more than anyone ever at Target Field. He should know that he should know what's a ground rule double. He bounced over the more line. than anyone. It was a weird play. I can it certainly was, but there. he even he should still at least play it out. Like he, yeah. he was just you know arms out. You know I'm not gonna do it. It, it was it was horrible. And then running um, to the stop sign yeah. today, just you know yeah. little things like that with with Eddie <laughs> are certainly like frustrating to watch. But Eddie Rosario is not a bad baseball player. At at the end of the game today, he's essentially now he's a league average player, WRC plus of 100. Uh, his average is only 240, 306 OBP. He's slugging 452. His walk rate right now is the lowest of his career, or highest of his career. Pardon me. <laughs> so Eddie Rosario is a good player. Defensively, he has some shortcomings, but he also has an absolute cannon, which he can kind of make up for some of his mishaps with his arm. But overall, Eddie Rosario is a good Major League Baseball player. At worst, over a full season or a 60-game season, he's a league average player. That's sort of his floor, just being league average. It's not a bad player. He his he's exactly league average on offense. He had a WRC plus of 103, 100s average. He was three points above average. But his defensive rating, his defensive war was minus eleven point seven, which was the easily the lowest of his career, making him a below average player in my opinion. Plus the base running and just the overall blunders he makes on the field. I don't. I think he's below average. I think he's become a bit of a liability this year. He's been. It's been highlighted by the sixty games. Obviously, if you don't play well, you're not gonna. It's not gonna look good. He's got WRC plus of ninety one. He's hit uh, slugging a career low, except for twenty sixteen, where he played ninety two games. But he has four thirty this year. It's not great. He's not looking good. And games like today show why. I would not be surprised at all if Alex Kirloff is in left field to start next season. It's, I'm worried about him. I don't think he's going to – I think this is who he is this year. I don't think he's going to get any better. Now, you know, when you say that, do you release him? Do you try to trade him? Because of all the talk of Eddie Rosario isn't a good baseball player, why do we think that other major league clubs were going to want to give up assets to acquire him? I, so maybe, I think, maybe it's yep. a situation where he becomes a fourth outfielder. Maybe. I'm look, I mean – I think he's up to make like eleven million next year. I think the Twins just non-tender him. I just don't think they bring him back. Okay. Yeah, like they're not. I, they might try to swing him, I guess, for something. They've been trying for last year for sure. I know they tried to get a young Marlins uh, pitcher or something, but it didn't work out because people don't want to trade for Eddie Rosario. Like this year, he's making seven point uh, seven million. Next year, to go up to ten eleven. I don't think the Twins are going to want to pay that for a slightly below average left fielder when they've got Larnick, Kirloff, Rooker, others just waiting in the wing to potentially be better than Eddie Rosario. Like, I think they'll just say, all right, you've had your time here. Goodbye. You know, it's time to move on. But he's been, he's been fine. He's been average. But this year is a liability. And today, games like today just show why I don't think he will be on the team next year. And nothing to look at, nothing to consider here too. Right now on the season, his BABIP is 223. Sorry, 226 as of end of play today. 226, Babbitt. Sure, sure. All right. Um, I, still I think get Eddie that. Cesario, defensively, yes, he's 
an issue in left field. I think the negative 11.7 defensive war from 2019 is obviously like very problematic, but that's also a outlier for him. Uh, his previous low prior to that was negative 6.4 in 2017, but he's around that negative three to negative four range, which is still bad. But yeah, he's never been positive except for, for some reason, 2015. I don't know why he was at 4.6, but then he just fell off. But yeah, he's never been positive since his rookie year. Exactly. But so, is, you know, the 20, he's not as bad as he was in 2019. I don't think that's right. really who he is defensively. He's not a great defender out there in left field, but he is an above average hitter, average at worst, still adds value to the team, at least right now in 2020. So I'm not, it's a kind of a whatever. Like we know what we're going to get from Rosario. He's going to hit his home runs. He's going to drive in, the, you know, drive in the runs and be a bit of a liability in left field. Yeah, and they can find one of those guys in the minor league. De- I mean, I'm True. jumping all around here. I'm, I'm worried about him. I think he's, he's going to be on the team for the rest of this year, starting lineup, batting fourth. He, it is what it is. I don't think he's going to get any better. I think this is who he is this year. Maybe on a new team, maybe in Colorado or something, he'll thrive and be really good next year, but... Who knows? Um, Eddie Rosario, for me, I'm worried. I don't think he's going to get any better, but it is what it if, is. He is if, locked if in the Nel- lineup. If Nelson Cruz decides to retire, would you feel comfortable with using Eddie Rosario as a DH? That's a good question. Um, if Eddie, if Nelson Cruz retires, I then I probably would bring back Rosario. Hmm, that, that's tough. I'd have to think about that, actually, because maybe the Twins want Rooker as the DH and then Kirilov as the left fielder. Or maybe they don't feel like one of them is ready yet. So that's tough. It is tough. I, I would I would be very hesitant on putting Rucker in as a DH like this early in his career. I think you know he's only Good twenty five. Yeah. Next year he'll be twenty six. Don't want to put a guy in that position so early. Like yes, he isn't a great defender in the outfield, but you can improve on that with, with a young player. So I would be very hesitant to just say, "Well, Brett Rucker is going to be a DH." For sure. And he used to play first base like two years ago, but they completely moved him out of there. There's still. People think he might move there, but I think he's done at first base. They've just taken him out of there at the minors, kind of started implementing Kirilov at first base. So I think they either view Rooker as a long-term, as a long-term, uh, I don't just, you know, outfielder slash designated hitter. So, yeah. Uh, moving on then, we got Trevor May, who has a 5.74 ERA. And he is um, home run per nine, ground ball percentage, home run to fly ball rates. They're all career worst. His 5.74 ERA is his career worst as a relief pitcher. Things have not been going well. He's given up a homer in three of his last four outings, and Trevor Mays looked pretty rough these last few weeks, honestly. He's just he's part of the group of Romo, Rogers, Duffy, and then May kind of rounds it out, but he hasn't been nearly as good lately. What do you think about Trevor May? I'm, I'm putting Trevor May in the worry column right yeah. now. Uh, just everything being a career high, like you had just touched on, the ERA, home run for nine, ground ball percentage, home run to fly ball ratio, all of that being a career worst is just that you don't want to see that. And he was supposed to be part of that elite core of bull, not elite, but the really right. good core of bullpen arms. And he simply hasn't been. But I would rather, I would yeah. rather see Matt Whistler slide into his spot at this point. Yeah, that, that's true. He also, I mean, man, his K percentage is a career high. It's at 40%. His walk percentage is at a career low at 44.8%. His ERA minus is at 94. It's solid. Fit minus at 87. Like, he's doing all right. A whip is, his whip is right around career average. Yeah, it actually it lines up 
right on, actually better than his career average. He's some numbers are really bad, but then you look at some others and they're really good. Like I think Trevor May will come back. He'll regress positively, pro- progress <laughs> back to the back to the mean here and become the Trevor May we knew last year. I think he's fine. I'm not. I'm not worried about Trevor May. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of a small sample size. Only hits 15 innings so right. far this year. But for right now, I'm still keeping him in as a worried. I just think we need to get better production from him, move him into different situations, see if Matt Whistler can kind of take over, fill their role, yeah. use Trevor May in lower leverage situations. Uh, he killed the Twins today. I mean, Duffy came in and Duffy gave up That's some true. runs as well. But, I mean, essentially, if Trevor May pitches better, the Twins win the game today. For sure. For sure. Yeah, and relievers always have a bit of a tough, tight stretch. It's always it's going to be super amplified this year with 60 games. Everyone's stats are. You know, if we were... If it was a regular season, we'd be going like, all right, it's like been a third of the season, if not less. I don't know. 162 divided by whatever. I don't know the math off the top of my head. But anyways, uh, yeah, it's just Trevor May has been not great. And it's, you know, we're looking at it going 20 games left in the season. May hasn't been good. He might not be great. But he is. his contract is up at the end of this year. And if he finishes the year with these bad statistics, the Twins might get him for like $3 million. I mean, that's kind of how I'm looking at it as well. <laughs> and I would love him back for that much. That's true. That, that could certainly play into they might get a, a bargain on you know his deal contract going forward. But in terms of right now in, in 2020, right. definitely just kind of worried about him. And I think it's time to maybe stop using him in yeah, yeah, yeah. high-leverage like, situations. I like what you said about switching him and Whistler's roles. Kind of put him in the role that Whistler was in the beginning of the year. The sixth inning of a three-run game, put Whistler out there. He'll get you those three outs. And just until May gets back on track, just put him in some better situations. I like that. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, moving on then to our third guy, Marwin Gonzalez, who has just been just awful this year. I mean, he has what he's just hasn't hit the ball straight up. He's he's valuable because he's got the position flexibility, but he so came in, he started off a bit hot. Right, yeah, yeah. And he's just, you know, he's like two for seventeen this week. He, his overall line is he's hitting two eighteen, OBP of three oh one, slugging of three oh six. Like he for some reason Rocco's putting him in cleanup occasionally and it's just he hasn't hit an extra base hit in the last two weeks while playing almost daily. doesn't make sense. I don't – Rocco – I mean, Marwin's been bad lately. I'm worried about him. I don't think he's going to improve much this year, but he'll be playing daily now with Arise out, uh, Donaldson getting regular days off, Buxton out as well, like regular days off. It's just he's going to be playing consistently still, but he's not good this year. It's it's rough. He's really not – he had like a, a stretch there for a little while, little while where he was hitting right. the ball well. And it was like, oh, look how well Marwin's doing this year. But then you look at the total body of work, and it is bad. And I'm definitely yeah. worried about him. And I don't necessarily want to bring this up, but I'm going to. His best offensive season, the outlier <laughs> of his career, was with the cheating 2017 Houston Astros. With an OPS plus of 146, and his career average is 100. Yeah. So you take away the scandalous 2017 season, and you're looking at a guy who's been below league average for his career. Yeah, it's very odd. I'm looking at it now. This means nothing, but his exit velocity of 2017 was lowest of his career by like 0.1. doesn't matter. He went out and just performed better than any year ever. He had a 907 OPS. Yeah, Yeah. and then he was signed – you know, played one more year, but then he got a little nice contract with the Twins. He was like at the beginning of the offseason, like I want four years, sixty million. I remember that, and I was like, what? Just because he had that one great year, and then a WAR of four point oh. Like, you don't want to blame it on the 
the trash cans, but um, it might have played an effect. Hard not to. I remember someone did, right, like a deep dive of who had the most trash can hits. What a weird stat. Um, but yeah, Marwin Gonzalez was like second on the team. He had they were he was being benefited the most. It said so. You hate to see that from a guy you want on that's on your team, but he's just not. He hasn't been the same since. So let, let's 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 look at let's, let's break this up. So in 2016, the year before the cheating scandal, right? Marwin Gonzalez had a slash line of 254, 293, 401, Man. and a 694 OPS with a 91 OPS plus. In 2017, his slash line goes to 303, 377, 530 with a 907 OPS and a 146 OPS plus. And he, ha- he hasn't come anywhere close to those numbers <laughs> since then. Last season with the Twins, he had a 736 OPS and a 95 OPS plus. Oh, man. My and favorite slug thing, 414. It's just horrible, man. It's his offensive war that year, twenty eight point three. It just happens, and he's never been above three point one since then, or like before that or after that. It's, it's a bit of an outlier, Marwin. Like they could have just used that as evidence that the Astros probably cheated, like his <laughs> season alone. My goodness, seriously. Yeah. So, so I'm worried about him. Definitely worried about Marwin. I kind of feel like that he kind of fleeced the Twins a little bit. He cheated yeah. his way into a nice contract, and now the Twins are stuck with it. And which you'd pointed to, the biggest value you get out of him is positional versatility. Right. Yeah, and he, he's solid on defense. He can play literally anywhere. So it, it's it's just if he could hit better than the worst player in the league, it'd be real nice. It'd be real nice. Yeah, you, you can't use trash games to help you on defense. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, we're both we're very worried about Marwin Gonzalez. I don't think he's going to get anywhere close to the player we were hoping we'd get. The contract with the Twins was around like two years, $22 million, $11 million per. So nothing crazy, but still a bit of a bargain. Not a bargain. Very good contract for Marwin. Yeah, so moving on then. We will do. We did this segment, what, like three weeks ago? We ranked the rotation. It was before Barrio started pitching well, so it must have been a while ago. Yes. All right. So and, yeah. I, and, I had, and I had said, believe in Barrio. Yes. Yes, once again, I was very wrong. Andrew, was, I was... I was just talking with emotion about not liking Jose Brios because I was very frustrated. But I was wrong. I was wrong by a lot. Brios has been wonderful. But today we'll start that over. Maeda's still been great. Dobnak's been really good. And um, Odorizzi, he's kind of the wild card here. Do you trust him? Where do you rank him? So we'll get into this. Do you, who's your number one? Is it Maeda or Brios? It's got to be Maeda. It's gotta I, be lo- I love I love Brios. But right now, the best pitcher on the Minnesota Twins is Kitsa. Heck, the, one of the best pitchers in the American League is Kenta Maeda. <laughs> for sure, for sure, yeah. So he has to be number one. Right, I agree. Maeda's been uh, Matt Braun. He's kind of popular on his podcast. He's been on a few times. Uh, <laughs> tweeted but, out I've earlier. Right, yeah, he's he's pretty well known. He tweeted out earlier. He's like, Kenta Maeda is not just a Twins ace. Like he's an ace around the league. And I think I agree with that he's become one of the better pitchers in baseball. The Dodger did the Dodgers like. Do they did they just not have enough room, or did they just not expect anything near this performance for him? Like, how good are the Dodgers, man? Well, the Dodgers are the best team in Major League Baseball. Much as uh, it pains, it pains, it pains like, me to say that, but it's yeah, like it you don't just, have room for Kenta Maeda, who's the best. They, like, they, what the heck? They don't even have room for Gavin Lux. That's but true. The situation with Kenta in Los Angeles is that their rotation is was very crowded. They have a very a lot of very good pitchers over there. And they wanted Kenta to be at the bullpen, and Kenta didn't want to come out of the bullpen. Right. He okay. wanted to be a starter. 
And so he became expendable and Dodgers got Bruce Star Gratterall for him. So it, for the Dodgers, it makes sense. Like Gratterall is more necessary to the Dodgers than Kenta Maeda, although who wouldn't want Kenta Maeda behind Walker Buehler and Clayton Kershaw? Yeah, yeah. But, they certainly also didn't expect him to become who he is this year. Like exactly. he had a four ERA throughout his career. No one expected this. He's maybe it, would, it won't continue next year. Sixty game season. It's perfect for a guy like him to just come up and almost claim a Cy Young award if Shane Bieber wasn't chilling. But yeah, um, yeah, it's gonna be unanimous for him. But yeah, Maeda is the unanimous number one. Unanimous among the two of us. Uh, <laughs> and then number two, I'd assume you're going Jose Barrios. I have to go Jose Barrios. So, so yeah, we talked about this three weeks ago. In his last uh, three starts since then, they've all been quality starts. Sorry, I'm wrong. He had a start in Cleveland where he went five and two-thirds and gave up three runs. So not quite a quality <laughs> start. If he gets one more out, it's a quality <laughs> start. But he's given up four runs over his last three starts. It's quality in my mind, Jose. But, yeah, um, I was way off on Brios. I said I didn't think he was going to improve too much. I thought he was just – this was not going to be his year. I don't know what I was thinking. I was – talking with emotion a bit because Barrios was becoming very frustrating. I would, everyone had talked to him up all year about this will be the year and it didn't start out well, but, and I was frustrated, but he's a good pitcher and that was my fault. He's my number two as well. It used to be Dobnak. Barrios wasn't even in my top three, but he is now. All right. He's number two. I was wrong. I admit it. And Barrios is now my number two. This is like basically if the playoffs started today, what would your rotation be for me? It'd be Maeda Barrios. Now I'm going to present to you, if Odorizzi is fully healthy right now, who do you go, Dobnak or Odorizzi for Game 3? Now we are laying hypotheticals on hypotheticals. We're saying yes. hypothetically if the postseason started today, and yes. hypothetically yes. if Jake Odorizzi was healthy. Uh-huh. Hey, it's a baseball podcast. It's what you got to do. <laughs> Talk hypotheticals all day. Okay. <laughs> if Jake Odorizzi is healthy and performing, I am putting him over Randy Dobnak in this hypothetical scenario. Okay. But yeah. in the in the real world scenario, when Jake Odorizzi <laughs> is not healthy, I'm going Randy Dobnak. Okay, so right now, Randy, I guess it's hard. To, I, like it's of course Randy Dobnak right now is your number three because Seiko Jake Odorizzi's arm might fall off if you put him out there right now. I don't know what's wrong with him exactly, but he's hurt. But he's coming back soon. It's he's going he's gonna have two or three starts that really just depend on whether or not he's a starter in the playoffs. Hopefully, the Twins even play three games in the playoffs. It's the best of three series. Like. Can you imagine if they only played two playoff games? That would just be rough. It, like that's how that's how it works, right? It's the best that would three. be that would be very fitting though for the history oh absolutely. Of the Twins it would not be surprising at all. <laughs> It'd be the least surprising outcome actually. But <laughs> man, yeah. So right now, I think it's pretty obvious. You got to go Maeda, Barrios, and then uh, Dobnak for Game Three. Maybe what about, what about Pineda? well, yeah. I I just was gonna say that actually. Do you put Pineda, Pineda in there? I might. I want to see a couple more starts out of him. Yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah, sure. I was very pleasantly um, surprised with the effort that he gave his, his first start of the season. Mm-hmm. I, I was expecting three innings, you know? Like, I was expecting what, an implosion, yeah. Right, see what you got. <laughs> Hopefully you don't blow us up with the first three innings. And he went right. out there and pitched really well. And if, and if Michael Pineda can be that guy and be the guy he was last year before he got pegged with the PED suspension, then I'm going to put him three. Yeah, I'm going to use Randy yeah. Dobnak out of the bullpen. Yeah, it's good. Before he was suspended last year, Pineda was – I was talking him up as he's got to be your game one playoff starter. Like, he was pitching better than anyone, and it wasn't even close. But he was for sure the second game two starter. Then he was suspended and everything went wrong. Twins got swept in the playoffs. 
it was just every other year we've ever lived through. Um, yeah. So right now, I want to see Pineda perform more, but he he's kind of he's been my guy since oh like early last year. I have a lot of faith in him to keep going what he did with his last start, and he would definitely slide into my top three, pushing Dobnek out. And I was really high on Dobnek last time we did this. I was saying he was my number two. So good to see the regression regret rotation has progressed. I had to mix up those words there. Regression yeah. and progression's been a tough Man, one I know. tonight. I saw some, well because I was on Twitter today and someone tweeted out this guy regressed positively. So now I've got that all mixed up in my head. Like, why would you say that? Can you say that? <laughs> like, like, ah, whatever. Scummy, I'll screw it up for the podcast, but it's his fault. I don't know who it was. But anyway, yeah. Dobnak is no longer my number three if Pineda performs or if Oda Rizzi performs. Like, Twins rotation isn't that bad. They didn't make a move, which we'll talk about next, but it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. I think the one the one area I'd like to see an improvement on a progression would be <laughs> the the length of the starts. I mean, Kinta Maeda has been consistently given you know a solid six seven innings. I want to see Barrios get to that point as well too, where you, you kind of count on him to go out there and give you seven. The, the bullpen's just been so taxed, and then you know when we throw in the the bullpen games, and then when you do have an actual starter and they only give you five innings, it just the bullpen's been called upon a lot this year, and I think that if there's one area from the Twins rotation to improve, it's just getting more length out of their starting pitching. For sure, yeah, it's absolutely true. It was the bullpen whenever it does come in, it's just in high leverage situations, whether it's because the rotation isn't going deep enough or because the offense can't perform. Like you wanna. Help him out a bit, but moving on and, to our last. Oh, yeah. And then when, when then when they have a big lead like today, they just go out there. And, <laughs> For some and reason, it doesn't work. Yeah, maybe they're only good when they are in high leverage. <laughs> Weirdly, but yeah, moving on to our last segment of the day, we will talk about last week's trade deadline, which we covered for a while, saying what will the Twins do? Will they acquire someone? I was really confident they'd do at least one thing. They were super quiet. Not even really a rumor. The only thing I heard was like Starling Marte, but. Even that made no sense. Um, I wanted him. It would have been cool. But no, they did nothing. They didn't get a starter, no reliever, nothing. I mean, you I th- you were saying you didn't just want him to go do, make a move for nothing, like no reason, like some middle reliever. And I guess you kind of got your wish, right? <laughs> I did. And another thing I said, too, we talked about this earlier in the show here tonight, is that the better move for them, if they're what they couldn't go out and get a Trevor Bauer or Mike Clevenger, one of those types of right. guys, the better move was to dip into some of their organizational depth, which they've done with Brooker. And then, you know, basically they, if you want to look at it, like they acquired at the deadline, a healthy Josh Donaldson, a healthy Byron Buxton, a healthy Michael Pineda, and this 25 year old stud named Brent Rooker. That's, <laughs> For sure. that's a pretty good trade deadline. If you ask me. Yeah, that's a good point. And people were, I was really tired of it. Cause I was like, these guys didn't play well at the beginning of the year. What says they will now who said, and then I came in. They were amazing. Brent, Rook, I was actually I was hyping up Brent Rooker a lot. I was right on that one. I'm like one for six in my last load of statements on this podcast, but I'm getting there. All right, but yeah, they didn't make a move. I really wanted them to. I didn't know what I wanted them to do even, but I was like, this team has lost like seven in a row, six in a row. Do something. They didn't. Then they won five in a row to prove me wrong. So, I man, I'm doing a baseball podcast. I'm wrong about literally everything I say, but just bear with me here. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on. It. We'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get some progression for you, Cooper. Right. <laughs> Here's I'll make a prediction. I think Miguel Sano will hit a home run in the next uh, three weeks. Can't go wrong there. Uh, I think I think you'll be right. <laughs> See, there we go. 
so yeah, they didn't make a move. I was I was super surprised that Lance Lynn of Texas was not moved because that was he's right because he's performing at his best. Had another year of control. Texas sucks. Didn't make any sense, but it's their fault. They'll get him for moving for less this off season or trade deadline. Whatever, not my fault. I don't care. Maybe the Twins will go get him for less. That'd be cool. Or maybe they, maybe they could move him for more next year. I would imagine you know the price tag they were, they were asking for was probably really steep, given how well he's been True. pitching. Good and point. a lot of teams probably didn't want to give up that much to acquire him for the shortened season. You know, they would have him for the next year as well. But I think next year, assuming we have a, a full 162-game slate, his trade value could possibly be higher. And then the Rangers might actually end up getting more of what they want for Lance Lynn assuming he doesn't just go out there and implode next year. For sure. I was surprised they didn't trade him, but the Rangers front office is full of smart people, I would assume. So maybe they do know what they're doing after all. Um, so yeah, bit of a surprising trade deadline, in my opinion, just that the Twins didn't even seem like they tried to do anything. They were pretty comfortable with what they've got. And it's the, it's the 60-game season, you know. It's a weird one. Why acquire someone for 20 games in the playoffs when it just they weren't ever going to get a rental anyway, so they're probably looking for the extra year of control, Lance Lynn type, and they're all super expensive. So it makes sense they didn't go get someone. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I've got on it. Yeah, right there with you. And I think just, just looking ahead, it's not for a couple of weeks here, but with the towards near end of the season, with the Twins play four games on the road against the White Sox, and that's going to decide the division. And that's going to be a very fun series. September 14th through the 17th on the road in Chicago for the division. Yeah, I think it's also right after the Twins play Cleveland. Yep, upcoming here on Friday. They got Cleveland, three games, then Chicago for four. And those two series will ultimately decide who wins the division, I think. it's Well, it, it'll decide whether or not the Twins will win the division. It'll either be the Twins or then the White Sox and Indians will fight it out at the end. And it's going to be great fun. It's going to be exciting. Or the Twins could just split both series or something and then, you know, still be one and a half back or whatever. But, you know, because that's just how they've been hanging out for like a month and a half now. But. Actually, it's not been that long. But you know what I mean. Uh, it's been fun. The Twins have a great, fun schedule coming up. Although, when we talk next week, they will only have played Cleveland and St. Louis twice for some reason and a Detroit game. Like, they got a weird schedule this week. So, we'll be talking. They do. Yeah, with the yeah. two off days there on Wednesday and Thursday, right. the, the doubleheader. And, oh, we weren't going to talk about this. But I'm just going to say, I do not like these seven-inning games. <laughs> I, I understand why we're doing it. Like, I get it. But I don't like it. It doesn't feel yeah, it no. doesn't feel right to me. I I understand. I if they push it past this sixty game season to where it becomes a regular thing, that'll be just a huge mistake. I would hate that. But right now, I'm fine with it. I get it. It's <laughs> the season's weird. Sixty games. Things are all different. They're trying out new things. I understand. I I'm not a huge fan. But you know, sometimes I just I I like from when I'm not watching the Twins. I enjoy it because I can just tune into a game and it's over before it really even gets going. So that's kind of fun as well. But I don't like it as a Twins fan watching the Twins. Yeah, it doesn't feel right to me. Like, no, I why, agree. why are we watching like the sixth inning and it's like the eighth inning? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, right. Bothers me. Whoever, if you score one in the first inning, you've won. Whoever scores first wins the game. Just how it goes. Yeah, for people that listen and play MLB the show, it's like kind of like a battle royale game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just so frustrating sometimes because, like, uh, I think it was yeah, it was game two of the, the of the Tigers doubleheader on Friday when Buxton had that walk off infield single, and I'm watching this and it's like the sixth inning and I'm going like, you know, they might lose this game, but if they had nine innings, they would win. And sure enough, they won in extra innings 
in the eighth inning. Yeah. It's also like your starter goes four innings. You're like, that's an excellent start. Now we only have to get three <laughs> innings out of our bullpen. <laughs> exactly. It just doesn't feel right. Right, exactly. I'm not a fan. You're not a fan. No one's really a fan. I haven't really found a fan of them yet. And I probably never will because it's just not baseball. So, and, and how, weird, how weird was that game, too, that doubleheader on Friday where the Twins are they're, we're playing in Minneapolis. The Twins are oh, the yeah. road team. And then we get to, like, extra innings. You have the whole runner on second thing. And the Twins, they scored the run, but they didn't walk at all. It was just the strangest. It was a weird game. But, yeah, I didn't catch much of it. So I put on, I was like, yep. Yeah how to go is just craziest game ever. But apparently, cause I missed most of it. I turned it off. I had to leave when it was like twins were down by a run. I don't even remember, but then I got back, looked the twin somehow pulled it off. Trevor may got the save, didn't he? Our guy. He did. Yeah. Look at that. He's on fire, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a, it was weird. And the, all these, a lot of these seven in games, I will admit do have fun endings at least. They do. It's just, I don't like it. No, uh, yeah, I don't. I, it's not baseball. <laughs> so, yeah. Not uh, a is fan. that all you got? You got anything else? That's all I got. I just wanted to rant about how I don't like second games. I get games. it. All right, sweet. So, that's all we got for this week. Next week, we'll be talking about an extremely weak, weird week of Twins baseball, where hopefully they win some more games, don't lose six in a row. Bounce back from the Detroit game today, and see you next week. Yeah, we got the, the Tigers again on Monday, and then we had the doubleheader on Tuesday, and then game on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we'll talk to you guys again Sunday night.